I want to talk about stinking thinking today. You have some, so do I. We need to talk about it. I have an article for you. It's about the noetic effect of sin. Do you know what the noetic effect of sin means? Well, it's how sin affects our minds. It means that our thinking can be stinking at times. Humans born in the image of God fell into sin, and our fall broke the purity. It broke the clarity of the mind that God gave to us. We need a change of mind. Now, in addition to this podcast, I have a mind map for you. This is a critical mind map for anyone who needs a change of mind about any issue or situation. Many of us have that endless loop tape that plays in our mind. It just keeps recycling over and over and over and over and over and over again, and we need to learn how to turn it off and put a new tape in, a tape that Well, it's in line with God's Word. Therefore, this podcast is titled Mind Mapping, Stinking Thinking, How to Change Your Mind. You can read the entire article on our website. I have three other articles, as always, embedded in this article. Therefore, we're talking about 8,000, a little more than 8,000 words that you can read on the mind. And so if you want an extensive homework assignment, then I would encourage you to do it. You can also pull up this mind map. You can print it off and that you can use it. It would make an excellent poster, something you can put on your refrigerator and definitely something that you want to teach your children. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive, the podcast where we put our article content in audio format. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to write a review about this podcast wherever you download it, wherever you get it, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever it may be. Write a review, tell people how fantastic it is, and hopefully that will help to reach more people. And so your reviews, you can serve our ministry by writing reviews about everything that we do wherever people receive reviews. Do the same thing for our books. Uh, There have been quite a few reviews written about my books on Amazon, and I'm grateful that you did that. If you haven't done it yet, please do it, only if you like them, of course, and make sure that you have read them as well. I know you'll do that. Uh, But please write a review and let other people know about not only the books, but these podcasts that you're listening to. Your Daily Drive is this one, and the other one in our network is Life Over coffee. One lady said just today, I think I'm behind. There's several that I haven't uh, listened to yet. I need to get busy. That's okay. Take your time. Pace yourself. They're all here. They'll be waiting for you when you get here. All right, the podcast and the article on the website, Mind Mapping Stinking Thinking, How to Change Your Mind. You see, humanity became a walking dichotomy. Dichotomy means two parts. God's creation, but distorted in every way. Created in the image of God is one part, but because of the fall, 
well, we are distorted in every way. And one of the ways we became distorted was in our minds. And again, this is what it means by the noetic effect. Noetic, N-O-E-T-I-C, the noetic effect of sin, a distortion of the mind. Part of what alienation from God means is that our minds are not right. We're all insane to varying degrees. Jesus Christ is the sane one in the group. If you want to know what sanity looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to grow in sanity, become more like Jesus. He was perfect in every way. And it's important for us to know that just because a person may know who God is, it does not mean his thinking is in line with God. There is a worse case for this, and you find that in James 2.19. James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And so knowing God... Knowing who God is is a good start, but it doesn't mean that your thinking will be in line with God or His Word. Knowing God does not guarantee the right thinking that should lead to the right faith. And even after we become regenerated and are made right with God, our thinking continues to lag behind our identity in Christ Part of the idea implied in this theological label called progressive sanctification is that our thinking will become more and more in line with how God thinks. Now, the implication is clear. The implication is if progressive sanctification means that we are becoming more in line with how God thinks, well, it means that we are not completely in line with how God thinks. Our our thinking is still not completely right. There's a text of Scripture in Romans one twenty three. I want to share it with you as it talks about the noetic effect of sin. Paul said, for although they knew God. Here's a group of people who knew God. And you would think that if they knew God, then their minds would be in line with God's word. But that is not true, according to Romans one twenty three, He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The noetic effect of sin means our minds were darkened, were futile and foolish, as Paul says here in Romans one twenty three. We also see him giving us some practical advice in Philippians four eight, as he lays out a format to help us to change our thinking. You know Philippians four eight. I'll share it with you now, but I want to drill into it a little bit later on as I begin to unroll this mind map for you. But in Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just, number four, whatever is pure, five, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, six. He says, if there is any excellence, If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
most Christians know their thinking is off-center. You do know that, right? Your thinking, my thinking, we are not in line with God's Word in totality. I'm not sure how aware some of these Christians are of the depth of wrong thinking or how to correct wrong thinking. Well, it's one thing to be aware that your thinking is not totally in line with God's Word, but do you know how to correct it? The goal for them, the goal for us, you and me, is to correct poor Bible knowledge and the application of that information practically. Because it's not just that we should have Bible knowledge, but we need to know how to apply that information, and we need to know how to apply it practically the more precise you are with your theology and its application. I can't overstate that. There are a lot of theologically sound people who are pathetic in the application of it. And you see it in their lives, you see it in their marriages, and they can give you all these theological facts and labels and doctrines. But their lives, marriage, families do not line up with all this knowledge. And so it is important. The more sound you will think and the more harmony you will experience with others will happen when your theology and your application are lining up truly to God's mind or God's word. While the correct knowledge and application of that knowledge is not everything, it is a big thing. Our faith is altered and corrected in proportion to how we think about God and his word. We need a mind change. Sometimes our thinking can be stinking, as the title of this uh, podcast and the article suggest. In a typical counseling session, part of my job is to help a person correct poor biblical thinking. They may know God, as I was saying earlier, and it is important. Let me reiterate that most of the people that I counsel are people who are theologically in tune. They are studied in God's Word. That is a phenomenal thing, to be so bright in the Bible and so awful in the application of the Bible. And these people may know God, but they are usually not aware of how various negative shaping influences have altered their thinking. Now, I'm not only talking about the foundational shaping influence of not being born again, their previous condition before regeneration, That is our most profound and foundational adverse shaping influence is being born in Adam. We all get that, but there are many other shaping influences that shape our minds. The most obvious shaping influence in your life outside of Adamic fallenness is your parents. Your parents are a huge shaping influence. It is a warning to all of us who have children There is only one option here. You will shape your children. You have to determine how you want to shape your children. Do you want to cooperate with God in the shaping of your children, or do you want to shape them adversely? And so there is the Adamic authority in your life, your fallenness. There is the parental 
shaping influence, authority in your life that shapes you, but there's other authorities as well, other shaping influences like genetic capacities, genetic competencies. Everybody can't be a world-class basketball player. Everybody can't have a exceptionally high IQ. We all have genetic capacities and competencies, and that is a shaping influence. There is a ceiling for everybody, whatever it may be. And nearly all the people that I have counseled had former religious experiences. Sadly, religion is one of the most potent and adverse effects on a person who struggles with poor theological thinking. Yes, there's Adamic fallenness, shaping influence. There's parental shaping influences. There's genetic capacities and competencies as a shaping influence. But religion can be a powerful, a potent, negative shaping influence in a person's life. And of course, maybe possibly the most potent shaping influence is fear itself. Fear is the most oft-repeated appeal in the Word of God. Fear not. Our Father does not want us to fear any longer. He knows we're all susceptible to this problem. One of the more common ways a person fears, at least at some point of their spiritual journey with God, is their confidence in God's Word regarding salvation. Wondering if they are truly saved is one of the more common fears that that people have. Almost all of us have doubted whether God has genuinely saved us. This tension is because our hearts were darkened, futile, and foolish, as Paul said in Romans 1.23. Then God saved us. But as children of God, our minds were not perfected in totality. We were mentally lagging in our understanding of the perfect righteousness that we receive from Christ. And so though we are truly born again, our minds have not been completely shaped into Christ-likeness. And in those cases, our thinking needs to be changed. It needs to be brought in line with the Word of God, the new authority over our minds. Now, to help you with understanding practically what I'm talking about here, I have created a fictional case study about a person who doubted his salvation. His name is Biff, as you already know And I'm just using this idea of doubting your salvation as one of the ways that we fear. Perhaps you have other ways or another way that you fear, uh, but using this singular illustration, it will help you to think through how to apply this mind map to your particular fear. And so in addition to questioning Biff, questioning his salvation, he came to me struggling with depression and discouragement. The more we talk, the more I realize these were symptoms of a deeper problem. Underneath is his behavioral responses of depression was a heart of fear, but even that, his heart of fear was not the bottom of it all. And that's what you're going to find out in a counseling situation almost all the time. There's going to be layers of problems, and so you want to keep working down. On the surface, he's struggling with depression is what he's struggling with. But underneath that is 
fear. Fear leads to depression. But underneath that, there is a deeper problem, and, and that's where you want to get to the bottom of it all. And so with more questions and extended conversations, it became apparent that Biff had a culprit that motivated him to fear, which led to his depression and despair. Biff was an unbelieving believer, a person who is truly saved, a person who is truly seated in heaven, a, true, a person who has truly been regenerated by God, but he's unbelieving functionally. He's unbelieving practically. He's not stepping into the inheritance that God has most surely given to him, and that's what I mean by an unbelieving believer. Biff was not wholly sure that God was satisfied with him because of the perfect works of Jesus Christ. Truly saved, but doubted his salvation. Now the question for you to answer is, why was Biff doubting his salvation? Why did he have this fear? So underneath, he doubted his salvation. It led to a fear. This ongoing unabated fear led to depression and despair. Those are the three layers there. But the culprit of it all was that he was an unbelieving believer. He doubted that God had truly saved him. And so what I want to delve into just a little bit here is how were the shaping influences in his life how were they so powerful that they shaped him into this insecure kind of thinking person? Biff came from a legalistic religious culture. That was part of his problem. A legalistic religious culture is a fear-based culture of do's and don'ts, lists and rules. He practiced his religion with genuine love for God. By the way, there are a lot of legalists who genuinely love God, and after God regenerated him, he placed him in a legalistic church. Biff's affection for God was genuine, but his understanding of the Bible was immature, and therefore he just did what they told him to do, and he practiced his religion with a genuine love for God. But he was never able, he could never shake this poor theological premise of law-keeping that his religious culture laid on him, shaped him with. He layered this religious experience on top of a poor relationship with his dad, a pre-existing condition. So what do we have here? We have a little boy who was reared in a hateful dad environment. Then he becomes saved, and he goes to a legalistic, fear-based culture. That's a combination uh, that's going to lead to disaster in this young Christian's life. You see, Biff's dad was quiet in speech, passive in action, but he never withheld his displeasure in his son when he felt Biff needed correction. The type of dad who said virtually nothing to his son unless he made a mistake. Biff interacted with his dad very little, unless, of course, unless Biff messed up. And that's when Biff got fussed at, as Biff would say, experiencing love and grace and mercy and appreciation from another human being was a foreign idea to Biff. He had no category. He had no context for someone loving him, for someone appreciating him. And that is what he brought into his religious experience. 
He brought that type of thinking, that type of craving, you could even say coveting, into his religious experience, a rule-based religious experience. And as you might suspect, being part of a religious movement that placed high marks on performance was perfect for Biff. You may want to put perfect in quotation marks. Though his dad never would appreciate him for his behavior, his religious culture did. And this new environment, legalistic religious culture, it is where Biff excelled. He received a steady diet of rules and regulations through the preaching, which he digested and imitated with zeal. Just tell me what you want me to do, where you want me to go. Tell me how high to jump, and I will jump as long as you appreciate me. And that is exactly what happened. The more rules that he obeyed, the more he felt appreciated. They told him what Bible to read. They told him what kinds of clothes to wear. They told him what types of music to listen to. They told him what places were acceptable to go, what books were permissible to read, what churches were approved to attend. And Biff loved it. He worked, and he worked hard. He was right with God and man. All he had to do is hit their prescribed marks. Biff's religion was ready-made for a person who had a strong desire to please others as shaped by his dad. And he was a quick study. He figured out the ropes and became a top-notch performer in his religious circle, but something was missing. On the inside, Biff knew his thinking was off-center. As he read verses about how he had not based his relationship with God on his works, he became confused. You know Titus 3.5, it says, He saved us not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And Biff would read those verses, and it just seemed out of step with his religious experience. And though his religious culture affirmed a non-works, all-of-grace teaching, it was clear to him that what he did and what he did not do mattered. He told me, quote, How can my works not matter to God when they were the basis for having a relationship with my religious friends? If I watched the wrong movie or listened to the unapproved music or went to a bad church, my approval rating among my friends tanked. Without seeking to understand me or help me, they judged me and began to distance themselves from me. If I did conform to my culture's preferences, I could enter back into their good graces, my religious culture's uh, preferences. I could enter back into their good graces, but if I did not, they would shun me because they said I was a dangerous influence on their friends, and so they contrived this doctrine of separation that is not even found in the Bible. It's so hard to understand, Biff said. Does God grade me this way? My friends grade me according to my performance. My dad graded me according to my performance. I began to think God was this way too. That's what Biff shared with me. And it was not long 
before Biff's relationship with God grew cold. In time, he chucked his religion altogether and began living a licentious lifestyle. His former religious friends did what he expected them to do. They judged him and separated from him. In their minds, they were justified in their response to him because they warned him, saying that his behaviors would lead to sinful living. And so he was stuck and distant from God and his former friends. What his friends did not understand was how their religion pushed Biff toward his crisis in faith. In Biff's mind, his father, his religion, his friends... And God were all the same, meaning right behavior was a condition for a relationship. His dad made it clear, right behavior, condition for a relationship. His religion made it clear, right behavior, condition for a relationship. And so he assumed God would only love him if he behaved a certain way. By the time Biff came to me, he was spiritually distant as well as angry and cynical. God was on the sidelines from Biff's stunted perspective. Trust was not a possibility. It was a trifecta of rejection. Religion rejected me. Family, my dad rejected me, and God rejects me, and it was all based on his performance. Biff was depressed and discouraged. That's why I said earlier he came in behaviorally depressed and discouraged. Underneath that was fear, but it was this whole idea of doubting his salvation that was at the bottom of it all, and Biff had lost hope. We spent hours hammering out a new theology. Though he came to me outwardly distant, it became apparent that he wanted help. And that's a key for all you counselors, disciples out there. Don't judge the book by the cover. He wanted help. He was in search of the true and living God. He needed a change of mind. He had stinking thinking. And that brings us to Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. I wanted Biff to have a mind change regarding his understanding of God accepting him. I wanted him to see that it was not based on his behavior but on the behavior of his son. Biff's behavior would never merit a proper and pleasing relationship with the Father, but Christ's works would do that. I wanted Biff to understand the gospel practically. And so during one of our counseling sessions, I began to map out Philippians 4, 8, 4, Biff. I can't recreate all of that in an audio format, but you can go to this article and look at the mind map You can see it, you can print it off, you can put it on your refrigerator, you can use it, share it, and help people to work through it. But I printed off this verse, or I I sculpted out or crafted out this verse in a mind map. 
And Paul said that whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And so what you do on the left side of the mind map is you uh, write out your thoughts. What is the thought that you want to assess? Is it all of these things? Is it true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable? Well, Biff's thought is, am I saved or not? Now, you can add your own idea, your own thought. Put your thought out there. Throw it on the wall. Say, this is my thought. And then you want to run that thought through a filter. The filter is, as Paul said, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure, lovely, commendable? Well, Biff's thought is, the thought is is whether or not he is a Christian. He is wondering if God has ever saved him. Is that thought true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, or commendable? Well, the way that you filter that out is what does the Bible say? And so what I did is I listed 17 verses, 17 pieces of Scripture or passages that spoke to the idea of being saved, getting saved, how to be born again, who regenerates you, and what God requires for salvation. And you'll see all 17 of these verses in the mind map. And so Biff had to run his idea through all of those verses because all of those verses, they are true, they are honorable, they are just, they are pure, lovely, and commendable. And as he went through those verses, he began to adjust his thinking. His thinking became excellent and worthy of praise, and that is what Biff began to think about at that point. His mind began to be conformed to the Word of God. Now, there's much more here. There's much more to say, but I have the mind map. Take a look at it. And as always, you can ask us any question about this. We'd be glad to extrapolate more for you. Come to our website. Let us serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.